Yo! Hi. What's good, dude? Hi, Rob. Good to see you. Long time no see. Yeah, it's been a while. When were you out in, uh, yeah. Before, I think I went to LA in in April, so it was even before that. So it's been, it seems like just yesterday, though. I was yeah, it does. going back out to San Francisco. I really had it in my head. I was, you know, it's like that yeah. song. Like, are you going to San Francisco? That's like the vibe <laughs> I had leaving, and I wanted to come back immediately. Yeah, it's a, it's a good spot. I mean, I've, I've been here only for two years myself. And actually, before I came here, I swore I would never move here. So it's kind of a, I think it's a city that grows on you, actually. But yeah. yeah so that's was, over a year then. You were, you were, that was your first trip out here, right? I guess so, yeah. Yeah, it's my first time going to the West Coast by myself. And it was pretty cool. It was, uh, we did a, a couple of shows with a great organization type Thursday. And uh, we did San Francisco was the first one. Then I went to Seattle. Um, and then we did, I think we closed it out with LA, but I remember specifically that San Francisco trip, but you guys were so cool and you and, uh, Corinne and Caroline and everyone, you guys yeah. were amazing. And, uh, you were just saying before that it, it, we had, we were going to only stay for a few and then we ended up staying like all night <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, so. Let, so I hinted at this on my post, um, before, but we went off to get a drink afterwards cause you know, um, emotions are running high uh, we yeah. did like a live talk hyped. to a I bunch it was, of like, the best day of my life like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah right exactly we did a we did a talk to a bunch of um uh, type enthusiasts i suppose yes uh and then we went down the road to uh, uh grab a drink and and i said that i had to leave quickly and uh two rounds of food and more than that rounds of drink later we were still there and i think the volume went up and probably yeah. the ideas got worse <laughs> yeah, it, it hits different in San Francisco. It's really good. Um, yeah. But yeah, so for those of you who don't know, this is Ben Crick, the uh, creative director for Collins. I remember when I was in college, uh, Ben was a guy who I, you know, looked up to. And for whatever, I think like when you're, when you're fresh out of school, everyone that ever comes across your path, you kind of just assume that they like hate you or like are annoyed by you. But you guys were also cool, you and Tom and um, Leland Mashmeyer and um, Matt Luckhurst and all these different people who were there for me early on in my journey. So um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Collins, maybe give a little bit of insight on, you know, who you guys are, um, the yeah, clients sure. you're working with, and we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. Um, Collins is a brand design agency, I suppose, or studio, depending on who you talk to. Yes. Um, we focus on brand, which I think is probably... Uh, there's a number of reasons why I love brand and why I, I ended up in branding or I think I've kind of, but aside from like a brief um, experience in kind of post-production kind of really landed on brand quickly and stayed there because branding uh, is kind of like the gateway drug to all these different disciplines of design. You know, yeah. if you can think of a way that you express design, branding kind of sits at the top of it. Um, yeah. So I was always fascinated by that because I have a short attention span and I like to learn new things and branding kind of allows you to design whatever that core system is. And then um, depending on who your client is and what business they're in, you get the opportunity to kind of apply that system to a variety of different um, outputs like web or film or um, print, which is always nice um, or, or, you know, all of them. Yeah, uh, so that's, that's always been fun. Signage, like your Spotify at home signage, your joke yes. that was right. So that's funny. Campaigns, whatever you name it. I mean, that's kind of the exciting part of branding. Um, and why I think Collins is really special is um, we've kind of found this interesting spot for ourselves over the last, uh, I don't know, half a decade or something, where we had a lot of really small studio designers 
um, kind of become the core creative fuel for the company. And we had uh, Brian at the helm who has this vision for design that's kind of left of center, a little bit outside of the standard um, kind of, um, I don't know, design approach. Yeah, and that kind of led to this company that wants to do like really beautiful, really well crafted work, but at a scale and an impact that feels like, you know, it actually, you know, you can talk to your mom about it or something and, and she'll like recognize a piece of work that you've done or she's seen something you've done in, out yeah, in the world. For sure. And for us as well, you know, it's really lovely to walk around San Francisco or in New York and kind of see work that we've done out in the streets or just run into your own work. And so I think we all kind of got captivated by that idea, but I think it's really, it, you know, the, the challenges of creating good crafted work at, at any kind of scale just exponentially increase. There's so many other factors involved beyond, you know, just the ability to make a beautiful thing and to solve the problem appropriately. There's, there's organizational kind of challenges. There's the fact that you have to hand your work over to other designers. So you can't be there to make everything yourself. And so just like, you have to build a system for other people to build from and to help them grow, which is something Ras talked about that I really appreciated. Um, and so a lot of our work as a company has really come down to um, everyone being passionate about the craft and the, the act of creation themselves but also trying to figure out how we can get the most out of good work at a, at the biggest scale possible. Um, and, and how to do that in a way that doesn't sacrifice quality or that, you know, the trade-off feels as limited as possible. I've been to all these different offices in this journey. And like, whenever I go to Collins, it kind of feels like, like a home sort of, it doesn't feel like a big, like, like a big office. It feels like very, but the work that you're doing out of, out of your, these kind of real, comparatively small offices is, is huge. And for some of the biggest clients in the world, and I know that you guys um, attract some great talent. There's a whole bunch of people who want to get jobs with you. So uh, we'll take some of the questions that have come in. We've gotten so many great questions. I'm excited to share them. Yeah, um, sure. and, and then we'll go from there. If you guys have questions that are in the live, uh, we'll take those as well. So um, hopefully um, I have satisfying answers. Yes. Yeah. You're doing so far so good. So far, so good. Okay, I'm going to be on my best behavior tonight. It's my first here. time doing this. So, you know, just yeah. uh, be kind, yeah. everyone. I, you'll be right. Don't worry. I'll, <laughs> I'll get crazy. I'll go real New York on people if it gets weird. Okay. Uh, this is Collins. That's your uh, Instagram handle from your agency. This is Collins. And the website is We Are Collins. Uh, yes. I used to like zip, zip entire folders of pictures off of your website and like try and replicate them when I was in design school. Full disclaimer. That's uh, uh... I always so wonder, like, do they see this? Do they just see, like, the, my IP address just coming up again and again on this? Uh, you give us too much credit. We're not looking that hard at traffic to our okay, website. Good. good to know. <laughs> yeah. But we, uh, I mean, everyone does that. As long as, you, as long as you kind of, like, you know, you start by looking at the work, uh, you know, you start by looking at the work of people you admire, and then you try to figure out if you can do work that lives up to that. And everyone in the design industry has done the same thing. Yeah. Um, the important step is to make sure you move beyond that and find your own voice. And, you, yeah. you know, you use that as a way to get to a point to build beyond that. We've had, there's one, there's one um, interview we had once where someone presented, they had literally taken a piece of our work and the same colors and they'd photoshopped the workout, but kept the colors and then redesigned on it, onto it and then presented it to us. And we were sitting in the meeting room and we were just like, this is like on the website. This is a little strange. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they like didn't know their audience or they didn't, they just right. grabbed it off Pinterest yeah. and didn't realize or something. But, that day. 
pro tip for doing interviews is make yeah, sure you're not presenting the agency's work exactly. to them. Uh, this is Collins wants to know, what's it like being Keanu Reeves' stunt double? Uh, I think you look like him in, in pictures, like in portraits, you look like him, but in person, you don't look like him. I could see, I could see it, but. Oh, I'm doing this, I'm trying to put, so my hair, I need a haircut before we went into quarantine. I actually am kind of like, if you've seen that Homer Simpson meme where he looks really thin, but then they cut to behind him and all of his fat is like pulled yeah. back with like, <laughs> that's my hair. If I turn around, I have like a super long mullet right now. So. You got that San Francisco look down the hat now, man. <laughs> it's, oh uh, it's definitely, great. Not, not, but not voluntarily, but it's definitely growing out and it increasingly looks like John Wick. So I get comments every now and then. That's good. Um, you got, you got uh, good glasses, though. The, the glasses are like, uh, the overall. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing what I can to, like, distract from it, to be yeah. honest with you. At exactly. this point, it's kind of sad. Because I, I notice, like, sometimes I'll notice someone looking at me, and I and then that goes through my head, you know, are they, do they think I'm kind of reason? And then I think, well, it's so sad for them. How disappointing. I know. It's just, it's just some, like, average Australian guy. Yeah. Bummer. <laughs> no, I was kidding. All right, here we go. Another question here. Um, okay, in my opinion... Vitamin Waters uh, brand system is amazing. Can Ben tell us which kind of creative process led him to the solution and how did you get to those colors in that layout? Was that your office or, or was that the other office? Yeah, yeah, that was when I was in New York. But um, the first thing I'll say is every project at Collins is a massive team effort. So I'm just gonna shout, shout out, out a bunch of names every time any project comes up. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's always a confluence of things. We had, as you know, Alex Center, who was a lovely client and, and kept pushing us to kind of create something outstanding out of the work. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, the best work always gets done in collaboration with the clients and the clients that are willing to kind of um, go on that journey with you and kind of push into brave territory are the ones that are the most rewarding for us mm -hmm. creatively and also, I think, for the work and for them. So that's always lovely. So I have to say thanks to Alex Center for that. And then uh, the design team, um, the colors, I don't know. I don't know how this happened or at what point Collins like just got good at colors or became known for colors, but. Uh... Right around the time that I was in college, <laughs> I remember that shit, it was so hype. Yeah, I don't, anyway. I, I, thought thought it was the, so cool. the... I always used too many colors and I would get in trouble. Like they would always say, like they tell me in design school, they'd be like, you're heavy handed. I was like, no, I'm just colorful. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, and, and it's become kind of in some ways like a hallmark of, um, branding at scale because it's such a it's such a simple way to get a sense of energy and variety and kind of musicality into a brand but right vitamin water was easy because the i mean the color palette came from the fact that the product i mean i used to drink vitamin water and i always remember before i knew what design was at all i remember seeing the label and thinking that's amazing it's it looks like medical packaging it's so fucking different that's awesome right uh, and so when we got the chance to work on it i like actively lobbied to be on that project basically yeah. Uh, and then the color palette was just inspired by the product. So the, so the whole brief to us was vitamin water has been around for 10 plus years. Um, you know, the product is iconic, but we just, you know, people are a little house blind to it. It hasn't done anything in a while. Um, and so we just want to um, kind of, you know, remind people that we exist and maybe uh, give them a reason to kind of um, reassess their relationship with the brand. Uh, and so for us, and at the heart of that, and with any kind of beverage product is like, you, you can't really advertise a product like that without showing the product. Yeah. Um, so, our, so the solution we came up with was literally, well, we want, if we want to make the product the hero and the product has a beautiful label, how can we build off of that system? Mm -hmm. uh, and so we took the colors from the labels and we kind of built a system out of that. We thought about the product in the, you know, you, if you look at it, um, 
we were kind of thinking like, you know, Pop Art or Andy Warhol's soup cans, like how can we turn this iconic label into its own design system that um, turns into kind of like some kind of, you know, beautiful piece of contemporary art, but at, right. at the same time is doing the functional job that it needs to and keeping the product and the brand front and, and center. And you guys had so, previously done that with Coca-Cola before that, which is... Right, yeah, Brian's worked with Coca-Cola a bunch. We, I mean, we've worked with the Coke bottle and, and, and a number of their sub-brands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the silhouette for the Coke bottles. So, mm -hmm. yeah, just taking a few pages out of um, previous work and also just looking to art, which is always what we like to do and trying to pull from whatever is true and authentic about the product. The most successful work always comes from something that feels true or right to the, to the brand or the product that you're working from. So I think the reason that works well is it just clearly ties in. Like if the labels were black and white, that identity would make no sense, right? Right. So, yeah. And then the identity system is just dead simple. It's just like, you know, you repeat the bottle a bunch of times and you change the colors on it. And we just had a bunch of systems and rules for that. I mean, there's other things like photography and typography and the ways those work, but yeah. we don't need to get into that. When you have all like these different iterations oh. of it, like I would imagine with something like that, and I, I myself kind of get stuck in the loop all the time, especially when building out a website or doing an identity system, it's like kind of picking out like you have so many different iterations, it becomes hard to like to lock down what's the final one. How do you kind of know when to say when in, in those moments? Because I would imagine with that, you're stretching it as far as it can go. How do you know? How do you like? I don't know. I mean, that just comes. <laughs> there's like logic in terms of um, how many is too many. Well, a lot of it, and this is also branding at scale, is understanding who's going to be executing this brand and how they're going to make decisions. And so building a system for that. So in this case, there was a lot of agencies who were going to be picking up the work. And so we didn't want to, in some brands, we try to create like more of a sand pit where there's, to, to Ross's point on your last podcast with Spotify, a lot of it was like, here's a set of tools and here's some ways we think these could be really interesting and um, drive kind of um, consistency and recognition in your brand. But the whole idea is that you guys are going to need to reinterpret these and that there's opportunities for your in-house team to like put their fingerprints on this work going into the future. That's the only way that an in-house design system is going to survive years is yep. if the people working there feel empowered or feel, um, you know, like they can see themselves in the work or they're excited to show up to work every day and execute the system. If the system is really tight and there's no room for them to have any personal creativity, they're not going to last very long and your brand is going to fall apart. Yeah. And that's part of what I was talking about in terms of, you know, success in a branded scale just has all these other layers on top of creating something beautiful that I think as a studio, we're kind of constantly trying to figure out and hone. For vitamin water, um, a lot of agencies were going to do it. And so we wanted to limit the choices, but, but create the um, perception for the customer that there was a sense of kind of variety and change. And, and, you know, it was kind of a living brand that was always kind of surfacing and it had to adopt new products. And so there's a system for how you folded those colors in. Um, so really it comes down to like understanding that um, output, what you want your customer to feel, how the company can execute against it. And then what are the kind of logical rules that you need to create for that? In this case, I think we had something like 10 designs that we decided were kind of like, we needed to have 10, more than 10 was too confusing. Right. We needed to link those 10 to kind of specific decisions or specific products. And once we had that locked down as a kind of container, then it goes back to like intuition. You're just looking at which are the best, like of all of these, you go rounds of edits and you try to pare it down to kind of the best options. And then you start to figure out how they interact with each other. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like anything in design, um, it's a combination of logic and intuition. That's perfect. I just want to say also, um, that's a perfect specifically, answer, dude. I love oh, it. It's a nitty gritty. I love it. <laughs> um, 
Leo Porto, uh, who is a superstar talent, worked on that as well and picked a lot of those colors. Um, and, and that's why it's as beautiful as it is. And Esther Lee and Ian Aronson and Antonia. Um, I just want to give all of those guys a little bit of a shout out. If yeah. any of them Antonia was the first person I ever met at, at Collins. I remember the first day I went there. There you she go. Was, she was so, I was so nervous because I had just <laughs> come from an interview that I bombed and then I went straight I, went, I, I was in the middle of the interview, bombed that interview because I got an email from Brian and I went there and I met Antonia and she was so cool and kind of yeah. put me in a place where I could be myself and kind of get to know all you guys without, you know, being a complete fool when I got there. So shout out to Antonia. Um, <laughs> what is the first process you do before starting a new project? That's a great question. Oh, that just goes down to, I mean, <laughs> like anything, you do your research, right? Someone comes to you and they, I mean, with any brief, um, you know, there's a little bit of reading in between the lines. Um, they, they, you know, they're positing a problem or, or a goal that they have. And there's always a little bit of kind of, you know, how would we approach this? Do we, do we understand the problem? Do we understand any kind of solution they're proposing? And how would we kind of, you know, it's always a conversation between them about how do we hone the creative brief. Uh, and to that point, we have like, you know, in our process, we have like multiple phases up front that are about kind of doing research or, you know, onboarding onto whatever. I mean, it's again, it's one of the best things about being in branding is you get to kind of dip into other people's lives for kind of two, three, six months at a time. Mm -hmm. And so you'll go, you, you know, a company will come to you with a brief and they work in, you know, XYZ. They could be a tech company. It could be, um, you know, a cultural institution. Uh, recently out here, um, uh, Louis Mikolai and the team did the symphony, uh, the San Francisco symphony, which was amazing. We've done the Exploratorium. Um, and so I you get to kind one. of, yeah, thank people you. People said so you, at our last live event, people were saying that they were going to, quote, break into the sign and steal the poster. That's how you know <laughs> you're doing some good out-of-home signage and people yeah. go to jail for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're always a really lovely, I mean, any, any client that gives you a little bit of room to kind of um, experiment is lovely. And those guys have always been very kind to us in, in the briefs and in their willingness to kind of come with us on the journey. So, yeah. Um, where was I going with this? What was the question again? Remind me. I think you basically, you basically covered it. Basically, like when um, when you're starting out, what's the first process before starting oh, a project? Well, I know you guys are yeah. like big on imagination and stuff like that, and, and reading. Yeah. Kind of oh, America yeah, 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 offline, yeah. if you will. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So um, you know, you get to. I mean, it's just for anyone who's interested in learning, it's a it's amazing because you get to go into like the symphony or exploratorium, and you get to and you get to kind of take part in in whatever these people are super enthusiastic and have devoted their lives to. And mm -hmm. so you just like that moment is so um, creatively energizing. And we just try to build structures around that where you're just learning the people and what they do and what is interesting to them about their job um, and, and all that kind of research that just kind of situates you in the space. Uh, and then, as you say, we try to kind of find reference points or make connections between kind of their goals and what's authentic to whatever they do and visual culture or possible expressions of their goals um, visually. Uh, and then we usually just kind of package that up into some kind of presentation that's like, hey, playing back a little bit of like, here's the ask that you gave us and here's how we're understanding it to just make sure we're speaking the same language. And then kind of here's some opportunities we see that, that could be out there. And then sometimes there's a strategy phase, which is you know a little bit more of a um, structured framework around that trying to create a little more shared language um, 
around how you judge success. I guess that that part is really important, especially with um, complicated brands or or with clients who aren't necessarily in the creative space. Is yeah. we often forget that they don't, you know, they're they're just unfamiliar with this whole process and with design and with creativity. And I think designers tend to be quite hard on people because they expect them to kind of intuitively understand what you're presenting. So I always try to take it back to. Um, I'm a terrible sports fan. The only sports I understand are skateboarding and snowboarding and everything else makes no sense to me. American football makes literally no sense to me. <laughs> and so I try to think of it through that lens. If I go and watch a game of American football, I have no fucking idea if it's going well or not because I don't understand the rules. I don't understand how you're supposed to judge it. I'm not inside, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of clients come to creativity that way, that you're going through a branding process, but they're not on the inside like you are. And so a lot of strategy is just creating a shared language, helping them understand and helping create measures of success. So that when you're all looking at a crazy poster, like the one for self-made, um, we're not all subjectively judging it. And someone's not like, I don't like blue, or I don't like the way this makes me feel, which is a perfectly valid response, but unless they can articulate why and help us understand how to fix that, um, or unless we have some kind of clear success laid out, like, you know, this needs to be bold or it needs to be simple or it needs to right. be what have you Make the those are terrible bigger. examples yeah. <laughs> but like you know unless yeah, you have those yeah. it's, it's really hard to judge the work and have someone say well this isn't bold and therefore i don't think it's successful but if you don't have that then they're like i don't think it's successful and you're like i don't know what to do with that information right yeah i know so, that you guys are like really big you know talking about like you know capital d design talking you know how, how lee kind of taught me but um thinking about like the systems and about and about you know, the writing and the pitch and how it all kind of flows together. It's not like, I think when I initially went to the studio for the first time, I was like, oh, it's a design's about like logos and stuff. And then you realize like these kind of big uh, business problems to solve. So I think uh, just clear communication is so important. And, um, and kind of like, I don't know, I feel like, I, like whenever I'm making a design decision, and maybe you can kind of speak to this a little bit, it's something I've been realizing recently. It's like, I try and like use my imagination, but make sure that every decision that I'm doing can has a strategy kind of baked into it. And it's not just kind of arbitrarily done because it's going to be harder to explain that and to be able to justify that. Whereas if it's like meet the creatives is orange because, you know, it's inspired by such, you know, they yeah, may yeah, not necessarily yeah. buy it, but at least there's a justification of why I made it. Yeah. I mean, every, I think every designer is inherently strategic. The, the strategy, strategy is just like a specific application of it at a certain scale that you kind of need to create those frameworks because there's a lot of people involved. Right. So I don't want to, you know, designers should behave strategically and they should look at their work critically in the way that, you know, I've made something beautiful and that's great. You've solved a universal problem. There's value in that. But beyond that, it's, is that beautiful thing appropriate to the brief? You know, you're a commercial artist as a designer and um, you have to, you know, we only exist in partnership with our clients. Like our work only exists because they allow us and enable us and pay us to do it. Right. So I think you have to, you have to kind of figure out how to work with other people. I think the important lesson that a lot of people, I mean, you, you learn it as you go, but um, making sure it's like, okay, so a, a bad or a bad metaphor is like, you go to a mechanic, I don't need to know how they're actually going to fix my car. I just need to know that they're going to do the thing that fixes the car. Right. And a, and a lot of clients are like, so we walk in as designers and we're like, well, I, you know, the tracking is really tight and I pick this specific typeface and I pick these colors because, and you talk, you're trying to sell them from an aesthetic standpoint. 
And that works really well with clients who are visually literate. But if you're talking, it really depends. And again, it comes down to knowing your audience. But um, a lot of clients, you know, they just don't understand what you're talking about. And so you need to, and I think this is true of any project, is you need to frame your choices from their perspective. How is this solving their business problem? How is this? So they've come to you for design, but they haven't come to you just to make something beautiful. They've come to you because it being better designed enables some kind of behavior, whether that's more purchasing or more eyeballs or whatever, less eyeballs, who knows? (laughs) So, you know, framing the decisions you've made against those kinds of things is just, you know, it shows that you understand what they're looking for. And it shows that you're um, thinking about the business knock-on effects as well as making artwork. So the simplest example is like, you know, you pick a brand color. Don't just say, um, we love like literally the MailChimp color, and I didn't select the color, but the MailChimp color was selected in part because of it's a company called MailChimp and yellow like is the color of bananas and that's hilarious and makes sense with right. their just company ethos, which is totally off the wall. Right. But it also happens to be a totally differentiating color. No other brand, uh, company in their category and not many companies at all use at their scale, use yellow as a brand color. So it differentiates, which is a great business goal. Yeah. And also semiotically, um, yellow is an optimistic, bright kind of, uh, you know, positive color. And it yeah. works perfectly with their whole brand ethos, which, you know, they have a fucking chimp as their logo. And that's ridiculous. And yeah. they're, they're just like a, a totally optimistic bunch of people. Uh, and so, you know, we never make decisions purely aesthetically. There's always an aesthetic side to it but you just need to understand that your decisions have to ladder up to some kind of larger goal as yeah, well for sure. at least when it comes to scale when it comes to doing small things or we do a lot of projects for ourselves then it's like you know the cuffs are off do whatever you want yeah that's gonna be <laughs> cool sometimes it's yeah that's fun, fun to work within those restrictions so uh if you guys like the mailchimp work that uh collins has done uh it we talked about it in depth on the uh live episode in san francisco so i'll make sure i link that up in the bottom of this podcast i'm gonna try and get better at doing that um i saw that lita sobirisi is in here uh is she hi lita absolute icon lita if you're still watching this (laughs) an open invite to come on the show uh we've been doing these AMA things i'd be more than happy to have you on. So Lita Sobirisky, you've been on the show before, amazing human being. Uh, ben, can you make a correlation between design strategy and snowboarding? Oh, man. Uh, Lita, come with this, this stra- strategy, strategy is picking your line down the mountain. You don't just toss yourself off the top of the hill, especially if you're going down a, you know, a black diamond or something. You gotta, you gotta like assess what you wanna do first. And then you go down and you make adjustments as you go. Sometimes your plan wasn't perfect. That's it. Good. You just came That's up with the that whole now? thing. Strategy, yeah, right off the top of the head. Strategy, <laughs> strategy is just plan. Strategy is a plan for action and a, and a way to measure success. You know, you get down the bottom. You're like, did I do what I meant to do? Did I do it better? Did I do it worse? What would I change next time? That's yeah. it. Okay, I have another question here. Thank you, Lita. I appreciate it. Again, open invite. One of my favorite <laughs> podcasts. One of the most to this day, I think one of the most downloaded podcasts. So, uh, let me see who else is in here. Let's see if you guys have questions for. I was gonna say Ben Fitch. I have a, I have Ben Ben Crick and Ben Fitch, it's, and both in the San Francisco Bay Area. Here we go. Uh, is there some kind of personal philosophy you've adopted, built over time, that has served as a guiding lens to your process execution for any given project? I think appropriateness is the one that just keeps emerging for me. It's like at the end of the day, making something great is great, but 
as designers, the real measure of success is if you can make something that's amazing, that, that is appropriate for the project that you're working on. What I mean by that is just like, um, when, when a design solution is beautiful and it also makes like is appropriate or I think appropriate is like not a sexy word, but, um, so I was using the symphony work that, um, Louis and the team did, um, Eric, um, it, like the reason that I was so impressed by that work and why we were also proud of it is because the solution feels really beautiful and a lovely piece of design in and of itself, but it also is so appropriate to the, um, to the organization and to the industry that they're in that yeah. uh, it kind of has that nice kind of meeting point between the two. So that's, that's the thing that I'm always, I guess these days I'm more and more looking for is, you know, I think we want to make beautiful work. We want to make beautiful work that does its job really effectively as well. Yeah, for sure. How do anyway. you decide though, in those moments when you, when you get a brief, if it's, if it's going to be something that's kind of like typographic versus something that's more of like an identity system, like, uh, you know, like you were saying about um, like vitamin water, how do you kind of decide like what's the best solution? Because I know that you guys are all kind of <laughs> typography nerds, which I am too, which is cool. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's like the that's like the ultimate tension that we're talking about, right? Between there's intuition and there's um, logic, and you know, things that are purely logical are boring. Like nothing, nobody, nobody, you know, you never describe like you're you don't fall in love with logic. Nobody's like oh, I just loved how logical that was. Yeah. Like to make a great solution requires a little bit of like illogical exploration. Like you kind of need to follow your gut. And that uh, that part is really hard to just to like define because it's such lizard brain stuff. And that's where talent plays a huge role. Like some people just make the fucking most bizarre things uh, and it's beautiful and it doesn't have a purpose and, but it's still beautiful. And then a lot of it is bending that to a purpose or figuring out how to utilize that, those crazy ideas to give them, um, purpose or um appropriateness yeah to, to that i like point. that word so I, that's good yeah i don't i don't know if i have a clean clean answer that's satisfying for that one i think that there is you know we try to set measures for success as much as we can and then we go and make some things and we look at some weird stuff and we try to do something that people haven't seen or that tickles the brain in a weird way and then we try to make that work to a purpose yeah for sure we have another question here uh, submitted by Sav. I hope I'm saying this right. Sav Waka, I think. Uh, how do you know when an idea is worth fighting for internally or with a client? So I, I guess the implication there is if you're dealing with some adversity, how do you know when it's time to let something go? And do you have things like that happen? I know obviously you're not going to. Oh, all the time, all the time. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's adversity. I, say, I would say a lot of it is... Um, a lot of it is that that process of kind of one, you're always learning what is the, you know, the process of design is this kind of funneling of possibility to reality. It starts out with like, here's the territories we wanna go, here's what's possible in every presentation. You're like, here's what we're thinking, but this isn't right yet, but it's kind of notional and it suggests the direction we wanna go in. And you're trying to get feedback from them about what they're gonna like and what feels right for their business. And during that process, their business plans will change. Um, and you're always going to come up against kind of challenges. And the the solution is just like figuring out ways to understand what success means to them as you go. I, I think, um, I don't know, I, you know, I think it's very easy for designers to take the kind of um, snobby barista approach and be like, <laughs> someone comes into your coffee shop and 
uh, and or you go into a coffee shop and they make you a coffee and you're like, uh, I'm not sure. Or, you know, you, you're like, I want a extra hot latte or something. And they're right. like, we don't make that. Your way of drinking coffee is wrong. Uh, and you need to learn how to drink coffee better in order to come here. There's some of that, but I, I, I don't know. I just think that's kind of like a terrible way to live. Yeah. Like your goal should be to help educate people and and help them get to not necessarily your perfect coffee, let's say, but like what is their perfect coffee? So I think design is the same thing. I think we are, you know, if you're talented enough, you can make anything work, any set of success criteria work, and you can make something beautiful. It's just about, again, finding out what's right for them and what's right for the specific people you're working with. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. Uh, I would say the, the most potent value, and Brian did this kind of um, talk with the um, Richard Daney, the guy who did the NASA graphics, and he brought this up too, which was very uh, nice to hear, but patience. Patience in spades is, I think, exactly what he said. Um, you need to, you just need to be patient with your client. You need to understand that they're not, it's not a personal attack when something doesn't work. They're trying to get a good result. You're trying to get a good result. And you just need to keep talking to them and figuring out how to get there in a way that's satisfactory to both of you. Yeah, for sure. I remember our last talk, this is, this is before we had the five or six beers afterwards. You know, I kind of talked to you about my own personal journey of being a designer and of kind of uh, learning and kind of fighting with like imposter syndrome and stuff like that. And you kind of just had, you know, told me, and, and uh, I forgot exactly how, but basically that it's, it's a long game. And if you have the, the patience to play the long game, you will reap the rewards of, of, of being patient all along and kind of like explaining that you're like, that you're older than me. <laughs> you know what I mean? That like that every year counts. I did a, a Instagram live about it randomly one time. You probably thought that was yeah. so, so weird to just like wake no, up. No, no, I did, I actually remember that now. And I was like, you know, you know, I was probably like still recovering from my hangover at that point. But I was like, oh yeah, that's look, sounds, bro, I'm from New York. And sounds I'm from the fire sounds about right. So okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I know, I know what you're talking about. I think because I yeah, I don't know when I first came there, man, so bad. Like I know I always talk about this in the show, and I almost want to like clear the air while we're on here, like. I always talk about that story, that initial story of going and seeing the Spotify work and doing all that stuff. But like, I, I was, my work was so far even from what it is now. But I remember that feeling of like, wild, boundless enthusiasm, and then like, being absolutely nowhere in my journey. And how those two contrasted, that's like, kind of uh, how this show started, you know? Um, well, I'm a little I'm bit. Glad, I'm glad. I'm glad that it worked in some <laughs> level that elicited that response. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I think you always feel that. Everyone feels that. Like I still look at, like fucking Lita and Wade's work and feel that way. Everyone, you know, you never get away from that. There's always a sense of possibility and growth and and new paths that you could go on that are exciting. Um, but to to talk to your kind of main point, I guess, or the the earlier point is like when you like I don't know if it's. I mean, everyone feels this way as well, but I think social media and a lot of things just exacerbate it. But there's just this kind of like sense that you need to have everything figured out immediately because everyone is telegraphing their work so much. And there's this kind of desire to be seen um, so much. And it's actually one of the reasons I generally have avoided posting work because it just creates this kind of like voice on the on your shoulder yeah. that's like you should be doing this so you're measuring you your success this so way. like low profile but yet doing huge work <laughs> you know what i mean and it's so funny like all uh, my friends like my most talented friends are not 
the people that I mean, well, there are, are some examples, like I think about like John Contino and people like that, that are really big in the social media space and stuff like that. But there's a lot of really talented people who like never heard of before and might not. Yeah. Ever, and they make the biggest decisions in the world. I just love that because it shows that it's not all predicated on your Instagram or stuff like that. And yeah, there, well, there's two, there's two points there. So I'll finish the first one, which is just that like the same thing that we talked about, which is just patience. Like you, nobody gets good at anything overnight, or maybe there's like some, the 0.111% of the population who's just like magically talented, mm -hmm. but it's like, you know, you just have to practice and put in the time and learn things. And if you're working on a shitty project, just know that you're still learning things on that shitty project. Um, I remember like one of the biggest growth projects for me, like this is like, you know, eight years ago or something was I was just, I just, I, I didn't design the brand cause I was like a junior designer and I was designing the, the kind of nutritional labels of weight loss packaging. And I was still working crazy late and getting up early and was really like one of the most stressful periods of my life because I just took on the responsibility of it. And it was like, in the end, looking back, it's like, you know, I do, we, you know, we work on things that are so much more impactful now and I have way less stress, but you know, every project is an opportunity to learn and grow. And, and, and sometimes shitty projects are better than good projects because the pressure isn't there as much and you can kind of push yourself in a different way. So um, the moral of the story is just like, if you put the time in and you try to use every opportunity as one to learn and you try to push every project in a way that, um, you know, going into it, you're like, well, I don't care what this project is. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to make it the best thing I can. You will learn valuable skills and get better through that over time. Yeah. And so that, that, like, that's the, there's no like magic bullet. That's the, the path to success in any career. And I think in design as much as anything is just like practice. Yeah. Um, the, what was the second point? What, what did we end the, <laughs> sorry, my brain is fried after a week. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, we were talking about patience. We were talking about uh, how social media is not necessarily a good metric to base it, that off of. Uh, yeah. Well, to your point, while you're thinking of that, I, I know yeah. that Brian, uh, one of his kind of projects that put him on the map in his early career was, it was like uh, the, the Levi, like the, the tag on the Levi's, which was, historically something that was like boring it was seen as like grunt work but brian used that as an opportunity to like really like to use this design and create moments of joy in places where people weren't necessarily looking for it so even something that's mundane that's technically and i always love that story and apply that to my own design career because it's like even if something is seemingly mundane you can make a moment of joy or happiness or excitement for someone and something yeah. is that's dumb that's local that's small that you know or, or or you can just take something that's painful and make it not painful. I mean, design, design is literally just intention. It's like a level of care and intention on something that, that might not have been given it before. So, you know, you think about like um, voting forms, that's not the most glamorous design, but it's, and I, I, this guy um, presented his portfolio recently and one of his projects was voting forms. And I thought that it was a really intelligent, um, thing to put in his portfolio because it wasn't trying to design a museum which we just fucking see a million of. like everyone designs a museum everyone's in coming in with live sir in their, in their portfolio and it just looks like you can you can like pick the five references that they've mashed together to create that museum but to design a voting <laughs> form like that's a like that's a that's a fucking challenge that's hard and it's not a glamorous piece of design but if you do it right you make you, like you're making genuine change and you're solving a pain point for a lot of people. So that's, that's huge. And that's just, I mean, that's design, that's design with 
capital D. It's like at the end of the day, design is just intentionality. Yeah, for around sure. a problem and a solution. Yeah, I know. I know Lee Massmeyer had, had talked about, uh, like, uh, you know, with Chobani, like what he's doing every day. That basically, and I'm again paraphrasing. He's like, I'm probably butchering this, but talking about friction in the experience. It's really simple. People are buying our product and interacting with it in a thousand different ways. What is that experience like? Where is the friction, and how can we eliminate that friction? Like on our on our best day, that's what we're trying to do. And I thought that was so like poignant and like to the point, you know. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, it takes, it's like, takes many forms. That's what's interesting about design is at the end of the day, it's just like improving things. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Let me see. I know we have a couple more questions in here. Cut this off in an hour. We have about 15 minutes left. This is Ben Crick. I haven't said Ben Fitch yet, I don't think. I don't know. Ben Fitch. Who is this guy? He's, he is <laughs> no. at Instagram. So like the, the mm. handle at Instagram. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. You guys I, probably um, know each other. You probably work together. Or something. No, I don't. I, I when we worked with Instagram, it was Ian Spalta and um, uh, Eric Good, and those guys were amazing. Nice. And Ian, Ian is on. Uh, he's on the second series of um, Abstract, which was wild to see. And now he lives in Japan or something. Yeah, for sure. But he's a good dude. I remember I used um, that. I used when Abstract first came out. That's how I got Paula Share. Ab Abstract, the first season came out in April in the beginning, and like. That week it dropped, I mess I reached out to the people at Pentagram and on yeah. like a freak thing I interviewed Paula Cher on my birthday. It was pretty cool. So I love abstract. <laughs> I had Christoph Neiman. There's a couple yeah. of people I've actually met. I've watched the abstract documentary and then interviewed them on the show. So it's pretty cool. Well now now you're making me envious. I'm taking people off of Netflix and roping them in, you know what I mean? <laughs> about social media. What about students? We are told that social media is a tool for us to get recognition and network, but it's also a little self destructive to comparing your work to others. Yeah. I, I mean it's a it's a double edged sword. I think it's how you use it, right? I think at in the worst in the worst versions of social media, you um, you're looking at what is successful that other people are doing and you're using that as a way to measure and create your own work. And in that sense, you're not finding your own voice. You're trying to find the formula for success and copying it in a way that, you know, makes you feel like you're part of the crowd. Right. And I, and I, and I think that's a, that's a terrible way to be a designer because you, you're you know at the end of the day you're not building like a point of view you're learning how to mimic other things right um but at the, at the other end of the spectrum is it's a great way to get instantaneous feedback and to see what resonates with people and so if you look at it through the lens of an opportunity to um, test your own voice and to create things and see you know what people react to then that can be great and and that's a like that's the way to get uh, that's the way to use Instagram to success is to figure out a way to use it to um, stand out from the crowd rather than trying to see what other people are doing and do something like those things. Yeah. And again, Wade and Lee are a perfect example of that. You know, they have such a unique perspective and the reason they're so popular on there is because they're, you know, they have a, they have a individual personality and individual point of view and that's valuable. And so people flock to it. Right. Right. And it's authentic. And what, you can't you can't replicate that. It's not like yeah, it's yeah. not like I I interview like Lita and we're getting some sort of like like a, like a, sometimes people will come on the show and they're and a, a little bit like I can tell that I'm getting like their best self. I feel feel like somebody like Lita and Wade like they are 
such individuals that that is the light that attracts so many people because it's like you're getting like the real them so that's good yeah and it's and 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 it's just been an opportunity for them to kind of like continue kind of like finding their own voice and and refining their work and, yeah and kind of helping people be part of that journey and and kind of see see into that which is obviously super interesting so uh perfect three art books you would recommend everyone should buy uh okay so best uh libraries out there the first i'm just gonna walk around my house and pick them up or at least one this one this is the first book my uh second boss and one of the most influential people in my design career, his name is David Park. He runs a design studio called Maud in Australia uh, and they do fantastic work. And he is one of my heroes. And he bought me this book, which wow. is the Carol Martin's Printed Matter book, which is, uh, I'll rotate it, is just like a bunch of crazy experiments that at the time when I started, just like totally cracked my head open wow. to you know, I think especially in corporate branding, you look at a lot of design that is follows similar rules. And I remember opening this book up and just being like, it's just like a totally different, this guy's using a different rule book yeah. or no rules. Uh, and a lot, of, I mean, Carol Martin, everyone loves Carol Martin's work, but I think that book is like huge. If ever I'm stuck, I go in there and just like forget trying to be rational or be logical in my solution and just make some stuff Yeah. and see what pops out. Um, oh man, beyond that, I don't know. The architecture I have to, I have to think about that. Home. I have to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hungry Hungry Caterpillar is one. That one's brilliant. Uh, <laughs> no, that's a, that's a kid's book. I love but those kids books. So it has a great art style. Sort of like, uh, <laughs> children's boards and stuff like that. I just said children's yeah. boards. I have a Pinterest board full of children's books. As long as it's really not cool, a Pinterest board. Inspiration, you know? so, yeah. Cool. As long as it's not a board full of children, that would be a little creepy. Yeah, that would be weird. Uh, all right, so let's wrap this up. Where can people find you online? This has been uh, a great uh, privilege to have you on the show. Thanks oh, for- thanks. Uh, It's been lovely. Yeah. I was so nervous. You're so kind. Everyone's been kind. Um, where can You're they find me? me? No, yeah. not, no, no. <laughs> I don't like this kind of stuff. I tell, like, and that, this, that dovetails nicely into this, which is like only this year I've kind of started posting work on Instagram. I, I used to just use it as kind of a place to put photography. Mm. Um, and I've been terrible at it. I think I've posted like nine things and none of them are like big. I just like don't get around to it and I overthink it too You're much. You're busy so. working though. <laughs> I'm trying, yeah, busy working as I well, obviously. Yeah. That's, what this, that's what this is. One day my dreams are gonna come true and this podcast is gonna suck. <laughs> no, no. I doubt it. Um, I mean, if you're passionate about it, you'll find time for it. I, yeah, I don't know. So I have an Instagram account and I promise I'm trying to like add more stuff to it. It's going to slowly happen. Um, and then I have a website with that is, that is years out of date and has the wrong title on it. And I've been planning to fix for a long time. Uh, and that's it. Yeah, you guys don't look my, don't look my website up. Key profiles. I remember when I used to try and like stalk all your guys like individual portfolios, there would just be like a write up and there wouldn't yeah. be the work. So I'd be like, damn yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Back yeah. to the website. I, don't, I think I have like, a, I think I have like a slideshow of a bunch of out of date work. And then I have, I had tried Twitter for like six months and I did, was just bad at it. So yeah, COVID-19 made me uh, get rid of Twitter. I couldn't do it. I couldn't deal with the anxiety. I, I, I hated the feeling of like, just wait, like, 
it was basically like, especially with the news, it literally felt like you were waking up, getting out of bed, and then like getting a fire hose to the face because it was just so crazy and so much to like think yeah, about. Yeah, that's the thing. Think about that. I just get lost in it. Like yeah. I'm a major lurker. Like I spend a ton of time on Instagram, but I don't do that much on Instagram. <laughs> I just like absorb information. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. just loiter. And and Twitter became the same thing. I just loitered on Twitter and the same for Facebook. So I just like have not. Instagram is the main one for me and I'm trying, but you know, it's probably going to be underwhelming, but yeah, feel sure. free to join me on that journey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if people want to apply to Collins while well, we have, uh, I think we have like six or seven minutes here. Uh, if people want yeah. to apply to Collins, it's wearecollins.com and any, yeah, there's a application device. link. Oh wait, for applying. I uh, no, 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 hold on. While we're trying be good. Time, here we go. I got this. I got this. I've been, I keep forgetting to ask this question and I'm asking it now. What okay? Everyone talks about what you should do, but what? Let's talk about yeah. what you shouldn't do. What are you? What keeps coming across your desk, and you're just like, you seem like mm. a nice person, but I because this is in here, I don't want to work with you. What is that thing? Uh, what you don't want to do? I mean, I don't know. Just anyone with a bad attitude is just immediately colors things the wrong way. You know, you should. You don't have to be like a sycophant or anything, but just like be nice. Mm. gets you a long way um i think from a work perspective um it's we get a lot of portfolios that are incredibly beautiful work and like i said um sometimes it's frustrating because you can see people's references or you know you can see how that you know there's a there's a particular typeface that's launched and then all of a sudden everyone's using that typeface in a project for like six months i mean we're victims of it as well so i can't yeah, complain yeah. about it too no, much. I know but but um, I was going to name a few and I was thinking to myself, like, <laughs> it's at a point now where I actually have to think to myself, they might be watching like as we speak. Yeah, no, I shouldn't. I shouldn't like throw stones <laughs> in a glass house on that one. Like old designers love that. You know, we're just driven by Somebody novelty. Said and interesting. Sean, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Oh, here we go. I, I Apply underscore. New <laughs> yeah, Collins. that's your Costa. She's, uh, she, uh, she's the gatekeeper of jobs at Collins. So if yeah, anyone's watching sure. and wants a job, your Costa. She might have just signed herself up for a few more emails than she planned to. But, and know. for people that, that, that are in this position that really want to work at your, at your agency, I recently, um, actually like right before COVID, this whole COVID thing kind of happened, I uh, had a great dinner with, with Brian, your boss, the CEO of Collins. Um, and I had just had a thing that didn't go that great. We were talking and we were talking about work and stuff like that. And I was watching like his, um, his email. And it's literally mm. like, like, it's like, it just keeps going. It's like, as you're sitting, it's like the yeah. So yeah, if yeah, people yeah, are yeah. like, oh my God, like Ben hates me. They're not like, I sent my portfolio oh. nine times. They're so inundated. It would really like, it blew my mind. Cause I can hit up a lot, but not like my phone yeah. gets hot. I mean, I don't get the same as Brian, but yeah. I mean, I, I said this to another guy as well recently where I was just like, like, as much as I hate giving this advice because it means that I have more emails to deal with, um, persistence is huge. Like yeah. often you, there's, you don't, you just don't know, like sometimes I'll look at it and forget about it. Sometimes I've got a really busy day and it gets buried under a bunch of other emails and I just won't get back to it. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, it's just not the right time. Like company, like even Collins, you know, we don't, we're not like constantly hiring new positions are fairly rare. And so a lot of the right person comes down to the right time. You yeah. know, you just have, so if you're interested, you just keep, 
keep sending the thing and if things change and you're there at the right time and you make a good impression like that's luck is a huge part of it as much as anything else so yeah for sure um, well and the last thing i'll just say is uh thoughtful like be able to explain why your design makes sense so to that point of appropriateness beautiful work will get you in the door the thing that will get you the job is being able to explain why that beautiful work is appropriate and solves the problem yeah for sure. I think the, the best thing about, about yourself and Brian and Lee and all these people that I look up to so much, it's like, I was just watching before this, I was watching the, that Aspen Festival talk that Brian did. It's like, I, and I said to my wife before we, we did this, I was like, the, the best part about this is like the ability to like have the way that Brian and yourself, that you guys give context, storytelling, the visuals that go along with it. It's immersive, it's engaging. And it feels like you're being like, educationally stimulated in a, in, a, in a way and I think that that ha that's so it's such a huge part of like when you're how do you talk about your work is everything so yeah that's cool yes well uh, yeah yeah yes perfect perfect okay. summary all right <laughs> what we're time gonna, is it we're just gonna wrap it up here uh thank you guys so much thanks to Collins and everyone and thanks for putting up with uh, all the fanboying over the years but I think that we've we've developed some great friendships so it worked out yeah I'm glad of course. That I, uh, I kept sending and you know? Yeah, of course. And you're always welcome. It, you know, when planes are back to working or, you know, the future doesn't melt in front of are us. Are you going to San <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe we'll do some kind of like cheesy uh, touristy things like, you know, <sighs> ride around on the tram or something. Bodine's Bakery, <laughs> however you say it. How do you say that? <laughs> I don't, I've not even heard of that. So you're more in the know than I am. I'm, what, what, I'm terrible. What's the name of the Pier 32, is it? Uh, what's, yeah, what's the big, like what's Fisherman's the, what's the Wharf? Times or, of San Francisco? Uh, I think Fisherman's Wharf is Fisherman's probably Wharf. the closest. And then, yeah, there's like Pier 14. I don't know. No, I'm a terrible, I'm bad at San Francisco. All right, well, we're going to come next time. <laughs> and we're going to hang out. All right, brother. Uh, all right. All the comments people are welcome anytime on the show. Uh, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Have a good night, man. Always. Have a good one. See you later. I don't know how to hang up, so you might be up there. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>